Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. This week, Pastor Stephen Perumala's sermon is titled, Hatred Starts in the Heart. Here is Pastor Perumala. The title of my message this morning is, Hatred Starts in the Heart. Hatred Starts in the Heart. If you flip on your television and watch the news for two minutes or scroll through a news website, you will hear about the pure hatred that humans have towards one another, won't you? You don't have to watch or scroll very long before you start seeing how someone got shot because they were a part of a rival gang, or you'll hear about a woman who got killed because the man was jealous because she left him and and moved on and found someone else. Uh, You might hear about a racial slur being used in the direction of someone purely because of the color of their skin. Or we'll see pure hatred expressed in the social media world. How many of you have seen hatred this week on your social media news feed? You you know, when President Obama was the president, you would have conservative Republicans spew all sorts of hatred towards him. And and now that President Trump is the president, you have uh, uh, liberal Democrats spewing all sorts of hate all over social media and all those things. The Houston Astros were caught cheating in 2017, and that cheating helped them win the World Series in 2017. They were stealing the catcher's signal. So they had a camera in center field, and they would zoom in on the catcher when he was down like this. If you notice, he'll put different signs up for the pitcher to see, and those different signs signify different pitches, fastball, curveball, slider, whatever. And so they would have a video inside of their dugout and to see exactly what the catcher was signaling, and then they would pound on a trash can. One pound is a fastball. Two pounds is a curveball. So the batter would know exactly what the pitcher was going to pitch, and it gave them a huge advantage. Now, we all agree that cheating is bad, right? But the thing is, several of the Astros baseball players have received death threats for cheating at a game. Like, we have hatred all over the place. Hatred is everywhere, including unfortunately and sadly, inside the church. We have church drama between members in the church. I'm not saying in our church, we might, not that I really know about, but but in the church as a whole, we have all sorts of drama going on between church members. We have members who hate their pastors and pastors who hate some of their members. We have spouses that attend church regularly and put on a great face in front of everybody at church, but when they go home, they're not even talking to their spouses. They're glorified roommates. We have kids that hate their parents and parents who hate their kids. This week, I really felt impressed to speak about the topic of hatred. I feel like there might be some people sitting in here today or listening to the podcast that are harboring hatred in their heart towards someone else. You might not even realize that you're harboring hatred inside. This message is for those that have had a seed of hatred in their heart towards someone else. And hopefully, after hearing this message, you will repent of that hatred and allow Christ's love to fill and flood your heart. Amen? Because if you don't allow this to happen, the hatred in your heart will 
ultimately destroy you. It'll destroy your spiritual life. It'll destroy your relationships. It'll destroy your mental and emotional health. Let me pose this question to you. Can a Christian hate another Christian? Can a Christian hate another Christian? According to the Bible, they can and they do. 1 John chapter number 2, if, if you have your Bibles or your phones, you can turn there. It'll be up on the screen for you to read along. And it says this, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. The writer of this passage uses the term brother and sister because he's talking about Christians hating each other or loving each other. Verse 11, But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Maybe you shared a secret with someone in confidence and you found out that they started telling other people something that you only shared with them. And because of this sense of betrayal, it has turned to hatred in your heart towards this person that betrayed your trust. Maybe there is someone in your life whose personality just rubs you the wrong way. Like, you just cannot stand them. As soon as you see them walk into a room, something rises up in you, and you just want to take a two-by-four upside their head. And it's caused you to even be hostile towards this person. Maybe you've had a spiritual leader in your life that was super controlling and manipulating and guilted you into using all of your time to serving them. And because of that, you now strongly dislike this person and it's even turning into hatred towards this person. John tells us in this passage that if you claim to be in the light, but you hate, meaning you strongly dislike, you are hostile towards, or you have ill intention in your hearts towards them, you are living in darkness. When hatred enters your heart, and you don't repent of that hatred, it starts to fester, and that hatred goes deeper and deeper and deeper into your heart until that hatred blinds you. Paul tells us in Galatians that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. In other words, hatred doesn't just stay in an isolated area of your heart. If you don't deal with it, if you don't repent, if you don't allow the love of Christ to fill your heart, that hatred will start to impact your entire heart. And it'll start to impact every area of your life. Just as yeast spreads throughout the entire batch of dough, hatred will spread to your entire heart and infect every part of you. John tells us here that when we hate our fellow Christian, we are walking around in darkness because darkness has invaded our heart. In verse 11, John even goes on to say that this darkness that has invaded our heart through hatred actually blinds us. Have you ever met someone who has become blinded by the hatred in their heart towards someone else or towards an entire group of people? Have you ever met someone like that? Think about what hatred did in Nazi Germany. Six million Jews were exterminated because someone thought that someone else's race made them inferior. 
And they justified through hatred exterminating, trying to exterminate an entire race of people. The Germans were blinded by their hatred of Jewish people. And you know what? There were a lot of Christians living in Nazi Germany at that time. In fact, there are Holocaust survivors that say while they were in concentration camp, they heard the church bells ringing, yet nobody did anything about it. Think about how terrible and evil slavery was in our country for hundreds and hundreds of years. Think about all the African Americans who were treated as less than property because of the color of their skin. Slave owners were blinded by hatred toward their brothers and sisters because of race. They would attend church on Sunday morning like nothing was wrong while owning another human being who was made in the image and likeness of God. And they would even justify it through Scripture. Think about the terrible tragedy of human trafficking today. There are more than 4 million victims of sex trafficking globally, including millions of children. 99% of those that are being sex trafficked right now are women or girls. Profits from forced sexual labor are estimated at $99 billion worldwide. How could one human being treat another human being in this despicable manner? It's hatred. It's thinking that something about us makes us superior to someone else. But let's bring it back to us for a moment. If hatred is not dealt with in our own hearts, it can make us think and do things we never, we never imagined thinking or doing. Have you ever been so offended by someone else that every conversation would just turn into you talking terribly about that person you were offended with? Even if the subject of the conversation started out being about butterflies, you would somehow subconsciously shift and turn the conversation towards that person that you are offended with and that you're mad at, that you're angry with. You ever been there? I've been there. Did you know that your hatred of someone else can actually become an object of your worship? Let me say that again. Did you know that your hatred towards someone else can actually become an object of your worship? And it can actually become an idol in your life where your hatred becomes so much a part of you that it has taken the place of God in your life. That hatred has become your functional savior because you trust in your hatred more than you trust God to give you peace in that situation. You trust your hatred towards that person more than you believe that God can take care of that situation, that relationship for you. It becomes an object of your worship. Your, your hatred consumes your thoughts, your emotions, and your energy, and it becomes all-consuming in your life. Friends, that is an idol. That is a God in your life. John tells us that if we're walking in hatred towards our brother and sister, we are literally walking in darkness. What would happen if we were sitting in this room and all the lights suddenly got turned off? What would happen if we started, if I just dismissed service right now, and I said, all, all of you guys can leave. We would start banging into chairs. We would start banging into each other. We, we would hurt each other. We would be susceptible to all sorts of different things. We would have all sorts of chaos happening if we were just to say, everybody get up and start walking around. 
This is what happens in our hearts when we allow darkness to blind us. We become susceptible to all sorts of other injuries related to that hate that has taken over our hearts. And that is my first point today. Hatred towards our brother or sister blinds us. The word blinded in this passage means to literally blind the eyes, where you can't see anymore. You can't see what's in front of you anymore. To cause someone to no longer have the capacity of understanding. Hatred towards our brother and sister veils us from having empathy towards them. You can't have empathy towards someone that you hate. When we hate someone else, we don't have the capacity or ability to see a situation from their point of view. And that is the beginning of empathy. Hatred blinds us from seeing any fault in ourselves. We only see what that other person did to us. We can't see anything that might be going on in our heart that is wrong or evil or faulty. Because all we can see is through the lens of that hatred towards that other person. And it literally blinds us from seeing anything inside of our hearts. One of the many reasons that harboring hatred towards someone else is so destructive to our mental and emotional health is that hatred is never satisfied. Hatred is never satisfied. No matter how hard you try, hatred is never satisfied inside of the human soul. Peace and resolve never come from hatred. You're left feeling like you must do something else to the person you hate in order for them to get what they deserve. Hatred is never resolved. You constantly feel like you've got to do one more thing. When you do something to them, you feel like, you know, that's not enough. What they did to me deserves a little bit more. And so you, you start doing one more thing and one more thing and one more thing. And it's never resolved in your heart. It's because hatred is never satisfied. It just gets bigger and stronger and worse and worse and worse if you don't deal with it. 1 John 3.15 says this, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 5 verses 21 through 24. This is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus is equating anger in our hearts towards someone with the act of murder. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus places such an importance on reconciliation and such an importance to not have anger and hatred in your heart that he's saying, if you're worshiping at church on Sunday and you have an offense in your heart towards someone else or you have offended someone else, leave that service, go reconcile yourself to that person, then come back and continue worshiping. That's how important reconciliation is to Jesus. 
Jesus is saying that hatred and murder begin in the heart. Long before you ever, someone ever acts out a murderous action, it begins, the seed begins in the heart. That's my second point. Hatred toward our brother and sister makes us a murderer. Those are harsh words, but that is Scripture. Amen? C.S. Lewis says this, to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit, and I would even say hate. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. When we hate one of our brothers or sisters in Christ, we are hating someone created in the image and likeness and glory of God. Someone fearfully and wonderfully made. As C.S. Lewis said, there are no ordinary people. Regardless of your background, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your socioeconomic status, you are not ordinary because you were made and created with, in, in the image and likeness and glory of God. And God's life is inside of you because He breathed that life inside of you. You are not ordinary. So when we hate somebody, we are hating someone that God infinitely loved and died for and breathed His life upon. The malice you feel towards someone who may have hurt you or mistreated you starts in the heart. And if it is not submitted to God through the Holy Spirit, you will be guilty of murder. To hate your brother or sister is not necessarily an outwardly super evil act either. According to Scripture, hating your brother or sister is actually not loving them the way Christ loves us. The standard is so much higher than just being angry towards someone. If we don't love our brother and sister the way Christ loved us and commands us to. That is hatred, according to Scripture. Loving someone the way Christ loves us requires us to lay down our lives, while hating someone requires us to put our lives above another. How do we have murder in our heart toward our brothers and sister? Well, how about when we get super unhappy or angry or frustrated when we see one of our co-workers get a promotion. When one of our family members gets blessed financially, what comes up in our heart? When someone in your life gets noticed, rewarded, or promoted, what kinds of feelings arise in your heart? As I was preparing this message, I was thinking about the ladies from the dance school that attend our church, and I was thinking, what happens when one of your classmates they get noticed for doing something exceptional. Maybe you feel happiness in your heart towards that person. Or maybe you feel jealousy. Maybe you feel angry because you feel like you deserve to get noticed more than that person. You feel like you worked harder and you practiced longer 
than that person that is standing out and getting noticed. Hatred in our heart comes out when someone we know and is close to us, they start to get elevated. They start to get promoted. They start to get blessed. Then whatever's inside of our hearts start to come out. James 3.16 says this, For for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Man, envy, if that's not dealt with, if, if that's not submitted and taken to the cross and crucified, that turns into all sorts of different evil practices in our lives. How do we have murder in our heart toward our brother and sister? When we assassinate their character to other people. When we gossip and slander other people. When we start rumors about other people. When we try to get people to not like someone else by exposing something about them. Even if it is true, if your motives are to try to get other people not to like that person and and your way of doing that is by exposing and exploiting them, that is murder in your heart towards that person. 1 John 4, 19 and 20 says this, We love because He first loved us. We love because He first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. Your life is giving mixed messages. Your life is a lie if you claim to love God, yet you hate your brother or sister. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The greatest evidence of your love for God is your love for other people. You can't hate your brother and sister and then claim that you love God because they're both intimately and intricately connected to one another. That's why I keep saying this. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God and love others. He connected and equated those two. He paired them together. Amen? What is John saying here? He's saying that you are delusional if you say you love God, but then turn around and hate your brother and sister. Amen? How we love one another is intricately connected to how we love God. We can't separate those things. Uh, Let me give you an example. If someone says that they love me, but they mistreat and hate my children, do they really love me? Absolutely not, because my children are connected to me. Because my children are my flesh and blood. Because my children take after me. In the same way, if we love God, we can't hate His children, and we are all His children through Christ. Amen? Point number three, hatred toward our brothers and sisters makes us a liar. It makes our lives give mixed messages. What happens to us if we don't submit our hatred to Jesus and repent of what's happening in our heart? What happens to us? Well, Romans 1 happens to us. Let me tell you what I mean. Romans 1, starting with verse 28, says this, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. 
being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. If we don't submit and bring our hatred towards our brothers and sisters to the cross and allow that to be crucified, and we continue, even though we're being convicted, we continue to walk in hatred. Even though we see the red flags, even though we see the warning signs, we just continue to walk through that. God says He gives us over to that thing. He gives us over to those things. So if you're being convicted right now, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you right now, respond. Respond. Release that hatred. Ask God to forgive you. Repent. Take that hatred to the cross and allow it to be crucified. Because if you continue to walk down that path, God will give you over to that hatred and ugly, ugly, ugly things can happen in your lives. John Calvin said this, The surest source of destruction to men is to obey themselves. Did you hear that? The surest source of destruction to men is to obey themselves. The Bible says our hearts are deceitfully wicked. How true is that statement? When we obey our feelings, our emotions, how we feel towards someone else. When we obey that over and over and over, and it causes us to be disobedient to the Word of God and the will of God, that will destroy our hearts and our lives. So how do we walk this thing out? How do we not obey the desire to hate those who disagree with us or those who have hurt us or mistreated us? How do we not obey those feelings? How do we not obey the desires to hate someone else, even though, we de- uh, even though we justify why we should hate that person? How do we not obey the- those voices and those feelings? Well, 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16, same author, but 1 John 3.16 tells us how. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Man, that is impossible to do without the Spirit of God. But with the Spirit of God, we can walk this out. We must look to Jesus as our guide. Jesus, think about this. Jesus had all the reasons in the world to hate the Pharisees and the Roman soldiers who crucified Him, didn't He? He had all the reason in the world and was justified to hate Judas, who was a close friend of his, even a disciple, one of the 12 original disciples, walked with him for years, spent hours and hours and hours with Jesus, yet betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus had all the reason in the world to feel anger and hatred towards Judas. Jesus was completely innocent. He didn't do any of the things that he was accused of. Throughout Jesus' ministry, 
the Pharisees and the religious people constantly tried to trip Jesus up and criticize Him. They criticized His ministry. They criticized every step Jesus took. They criticized Him. They criticized Him because of His sermons. They criticized Him because He healed people. They criticized Him because He cast out devils. They criticized Him because He did good for people. No matter what Jesus did, these Pharisees and religious people criticized everything Jesus did. Although Jesus was an innocent man, He was whipped mercilessly. Although Jesus was an innocent man, He was nailed to a cross. He was spit on. The hair of His beard was pulled out in pure hatred towards Him. Yet, He didn't do anything wrong. Jesus had every reason in the world to hate those who violated Him and unjustly took His life. Those who assassinated His character and His reputation. But He didn't. He didn't take revenge. In fact, what did He say on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing to me. They don't understand what they're doing to me. They don't, they've been blinded by hatred and murder in their heart and they don't fully know what they're doing. So Father, forgive them. If Jesus can do that and He's living inside of us, then regardless of how terrible what someone else did to us, regardless of how unkind or evil someone else has treated us, we must do the same thing. And I'm not saying befriend that person that did that to you. I'm not saying go back to the abuser in any way. But I'm saying in your heart, you need to forgive them. In your heart, you need to be free from hatred and malice because that hatred is killing you. That hatred is destroying you. 1 John 2.6 says, Whoever claims to live in Him, talking about Christ, must live as Jesus did. It's plain and simple right there in Scripture. Today, if you are harboring hate in your heart towards someone else, you need to release that hatred. If you hate someone who disagrees with you politically, if you hate someone because they view the world differently than you, if you hate someone because of the political figure that they support, if you hate someone because they believe differently than you, you need to release that hatred from your heart. If you hate someone that was racist towards you, I'm not saying you need to be around that person, but you need to release that hatred in your heart. I'm not saying you don't confront that person, you do, but you need to release the hatred in your heart towards that person. If you are harboring hatred in your heart towards one or both of your parents because of what they did or didn't do to you growing up, release that hatred. Maybe you have a sibling that was the favorite sibling in your family and your parents made it obvious that you were second fiddle and second best in the family. And maybe because of that, you have started to harbor, or you have harbored for years and years and years a hatred in your heart towards your favored sibling or towards your parents. 
you need to release that hatred from your heart. You know, one of the, I guess you could say, negative effects of being a child in a pastor's home is all your dirty laundry are aired out in a sermon if, it's, if it kind of fits with the illustration for that Sunday. <laughs> so, and my kids aren't, you know, they're not in here. They're in children's ministry still, so they can't get totally upset with me because they don't know what I'm sharing. <laughs> Just this week, Priscilla and I were having a conversation with Avia because several of the girls in her class were having drama. Imagine that. A bunch of first grade girls getting together. There's drama constantly in her classroom to the point where the teacher sent us an email uh, saying there's been drama in the class and so Avia might come and talk to you about it. And we're, we're even contacting some of the other kids' parents because of what happened. But anyway, we were having a conversation with Avia and during our conversation, Avia started opening, opening up to us about one particular girl in her class that has been mistreating her and has been doing all sorts of different things to upset her. And she was sharing and she was getting more and more frustrated as she was kind of rehashing what went on this week to the point where she finally blew up and said, I just hate her. And we were just like, whoa, wow. And then I was thinking to myself, my goodness, this is exactly what I'm talking about this week. And so I had to, Priscilla and I had to literally preach this message to my daughter's heart this week because of her hatred towards someone else. We had to tell her that Jesus, the love of Jesus inside of our hearts compels us not to hate those, even if they're mistreating us, even if they're doing us wrong, even if they're totally wrong in how they're acting. As Christ followers, as lovers of Jesus, we don't get to act like that back towards them. And I, I shared with her that even though Jesus, all of these things I just told you, even though Jesus was mistreated, even though Jesus was betrayed, even though Jesus was lied on, all of these different things, He never harbored hatred in His heart towards those people. Parents, those of us who are parents in this place, we need to disciple our children in the love of Jesus because the enemy will try and sow seeds of hatred, anger, and murder from a young age. Our kids are not immune to this. And as parents, we need to disciple them. And as parents, if we're harboring hatred in our hearts towards other people, how can we expect our children not to do the same? If we're not modeling forgiveness, if we're not modeling the love of Jesus to our children, how can we expect our children to treat everybody in their classes kindly? How do we expect our children to forgive their enemies if we don't forgive our enemies? If they hear us talking bad about those that, that we don't like, how do we expect them to forgive? How do we expect them to, to live out the love of Jesus? Parents, your kids are watching you. And your, parent, or, and your kids are not going to do what they hear you say. They're going to do what they see you do. And so we need to be very careful in our interactions with other people. We need to be very careful that we don't allow that seed of hatred to start growing fruit and start spreading 
around like the yeast spreads through the whole batch of dough. We need to bring that hatred to the cross. Hatred, if not dealt with, will destroy you. It's destructive to your mental and emotional health. I've seen this in people where they don't deal with hatred. They allow hatred to fester. They allow hatred to spread all through their mind and their heart and their body, even to the point where I believe some of their physical sickness is due to the hatred in their heart. And I've seen it where people are old now. They've lived a majority of their lives and they don't have any friends. And they don't have anybody that they can share life with because they burned every single bridge in their life because of the hatred that has consumed them. Whenever they speak, you can just see the hatred spewing out from them. This doesn't just happen overnight. This happens day after day, week after week, month after month, allowing hatred to continue to grow in our lives and in our hearts to the point where I talked about it completely infects our entire body like an infection does if we don't deal with that infection. It spreads throughout our entire body. And today, God is giving you an opportunity to deal with the hatred in your heart. If you're treating someone outside of the love of Jesus, if you're, if you're not treating someone with the love of Christ, this is an opportunity for you to repent today. This is an opportunity for you to ask God to forgive you. Maybe while I was speaking, maybe some names and some faces even popped up in your mind where, man, you have hatred and murder and malice and anger towards these people. And God is giving you another opportunity to lay those feelings at his feet. Take advantage of that opportunity because if you don't, it's going to destroy you. You're going to be mentally and emotionally and even physically unstable. You're not going to be able to, to think right. You're not going to be able to view things properly. You're not going to be able to walk in the love of Christ and in the character of Christ. You won't be able to empathize with other people. You won't be able to minister to people. You won't be able to ultimately fulfill the calling God has in your life if you don't deal with this in your heart. And I know this is a heavy message. This is a deep message. But I believe that there needs to be some healing and restoration happen in our people, in our family, right here. Not somewhere else, not in another church, not in another group of Christians, but right in us. We need to deal with those things that are rising up and coming out of our heart. Hatred blinds us to the truth. Hatred makes us a murderer. And hatred, if not dealt with, makes us a liar. The Spirit will give us the power to live as Jesus did. You believe that? Do you believe that you don't have to continue walking in hatred? Because the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living inside of us. Never harboring hatred in his heart towards those who betrayed him and mistreated him. That is our Lord. You want to know the good news? You want to know the gospel? 
that Jesus dealt with all the hatred and evil and anger and racism and murder and classism and sexism and all the other isms. He dealt with all of those things on the cross. They all came up on Him. They were all brought jealousy, envy, striving, slander, gossip, backbiting. All of all, every single evil in the world, past, present, future, was laid on Jesus so that you and I wouldn't have to walk in that. So that you and I could walk in love and grace and forgiveness. That is the good news, my friend. And you can receive that today. You can receive restoration. You can receive forgiveness. Let's pray. Thank you for being with us at TGP NYC. You can listen to other sermons on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are available. For further details about the Grace Place, please visit tgp.nyc.